Well, it was January 1945, and it was a sleepy New Year's Eve night. It was cold, and in Europe, a great battle was taking place. And the future of Europe was hanging in the balance, and there was some uncertainty about whether or not the silly war was ever going to end. And Germany had really started to press forward in the previous weeks, and what we now regard as one of the last major offensives that Germany executed in the World War. And Hitler was desperate to gain ground. And maybe inspired by the poker night or the poker game the night before, maybe some bad schnitzel. On New Year's Day, Hitler went all in with an Air Force attack. At an American base in Belgium, he single-handedly, or his, his army, took out the entire American Air Force that was present on that base that day. And what, it, what it had been the hope to take the wind out of the Allied sails and would allow the German troops to advance to the port of Antwerp, which would give them greater control of Northwest Europe, ended up being uh, something different than that. Within one week, the American troops replenished their entire supply of airplanes, and it was here that the Allied troops really started to gain the upper hand. And you look, if you look back at the summary of events from January 1945 to April 1945, you can really see how despite a strong effort by the Germans, the world was changing and victory was on the horizon for the Allies. Battle after battle, fight after fight. If you fast forward to May of that year, on the 8th, in, uh, in Germany, the Germans signed their surrender. The war would continue for a few months, and finally it would close on, the, on September the 2nd aboard a battleship in the port of Tokyo, as the Japanese would sign their surrender. And the war would finally come to an end. And friends, the anticipation was that as the world had forever changed, that there would be a season of recession, maybe even depression, as the world re-engaged with life again. As as challenging as it was to look forward on uh, New Year's Eve in 1945, the reality moving forward, or so they thought, would be that that the world would enter into a really hard season, but instead the opposite took place. Sociologists and politicians and academic, world, uh, academic leaders, even religious leaders, learned that contrary to their predictions, instead of calamity and catastrophe, the world would enter into an unprecedented time of growth and prosperity and opportunity. The same spirit that had defeated the Nazis over in Europe came home, and the Allied troops and those that returned came in with passion and determination, with invigoration, uh, stepped into North America once again, and they retooled themselves to uh, embrace the challenges that were at home. And in the, war, in the years that followed the war, many believed that even the church would regress and diminish its impact on families, but instead families were eager to replenish their spiritual wells. And at mid-century, if you look back into the notes of history, Americans specifically streamed back to church in unprecedented numbers. Once again, Americans found hope in God's gathered body. And while the religious scene had changed from from a, a value and from a loyalty to institution, it moved in a fresh way into relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with one another. And it marked a fresh day. A change from what previous generations had found comfort and loyalty in and a movement that, that brought refreshment and revival and a new day for the church. 
All in all, at the end of, what, the, what the end of the war brought, looking back at January the 1st, 1945, was very different than what was anticipated. And while we, they believed that the future hung in the balance, the reality was that God was getting ready to make some bold advancements that many, if not even most, might not have otherwise seen coming. Fast forward to 77 years later, and on January the 1st of 2022, as the clock struck 12, I think I could speak for many of us to say that the anticipation looking forward is somewhat grim. It's somewhat dark. The war that we fight today is a different sort of war. The COVID battle has been discouraging and in many ways defeating, but as we enter into the early hours of 2022, I can't help but look forward, friends, as I consider history and as I understand the movement of God throughout history and throughout time and believe that in many ways God is breaking into areas that we wondered uh, if, the, if they were closed off. And so we could spend the next moments or the next season of life lamenting about the things that we've lost or the things that we don't have, but I don't believe that's our job here today. Rather, I believe that God wants to seed into us a hope and a perspective that while we're living in challenging days, there are great opportunities in front of us, and then posture ourselves to be ready to take advantage of these opportunities and to embrace them and to step forward into what God has for us, into a brighter future. You know, when opportunity presents itself, many times the temptation is to adjust who we are, to change our DNA, to adjust our values, to meet that opportunity. But great organizational leaders understand that when opportunity presents itself, we must be faithful and loyal to the ways that God has created us to be. And the story at University Drive Alliance Church is that for 82 years, God has created a DNA here, a value, a purpose in creating us who we are today. And so for the next seven weeks, we want to study what that is. We're entering into a new series called Rooted. And the purpose of it is to understand who we are so that it will, so that it will inform us on how we can move forward and how we can take advantage of the opportunities that God has in front of us and God has before us presently here today and in the days to come. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, I would encourage you to open them up or your device. I would encourage you to open it uh, to the book of Psalms here this morning. Psalm chapter 19, verses 7 to 11. These next seven weeks, as I said, are going to be a journey through our values. And this morning we're starting with the value of the Word of God. And as we talk about the Word of God, we want to have a perspective on it. And we want to have um, a sense of what we believe about the Word of God and what we find as a strength in the Word of God. And so if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to follow along. I'll read this for us, and then we'll take a few moments to dissect it and talk a little bit more about it. Starting in verse 7, Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, we read these words. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing for the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, make, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, much, and than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward." You know, I'm sure many of you remember a time in your life when you were given the Bible, maybe for the first time, or maybe it was your second or third uh, Bible that you received, but 
I'm sure many of you remember uh, receiving the Bible as a gift or getting your first copy. For me, these are uh, some of the Bibles that I own, and uh, I just wanted to put them in front of us for a bit of a, an illustrative point and a bit of a visual this morning. But there's been specific times in my life when God's been very good to me in giving me his word. This Bible was a gift to me on uh, June the 7th, 1996, when I graduated from high school. And in the front of it, my parents wrote as they presented it to me and gave me a gift for graduating. It says, presented to James Aaron Moore, that's my name, uh, by dad and mom on your high school graduation, June the 7th, 1996. And it was this Bible that they gave to me that was really um, uh, the, the copy of the scripture where God really uh, ignited my heart for his word, where he really spoke to me and through a season of uh, getting my undergraduate degree, degree in Regina uh, through a season of uh, studying to become a, a reverend, to, to get ordained. Uh, God used this Bible to show me the truths of his word and to stir in me and to bless me in many different ways. This Bible was given to me on October the 17th, uh, 1992, on my birthday. Again, by my parents. And in the front of it, it says, presented to Aaron by dad and mom, October 17th, 1992. And little did I know that a year and a half later, after receiving this copy of the scripture, in a season of um, hardship, when my grandma was dying, one night when I was all alone in my bed, I literally would let this Bible fall open. And with my eyes closed, I went like this, which is not a great way to study scripture. But as I opened the Bible, God gave to me what would become my life verse. And it says in Isaiah chapter 10, verse, or 41, verse 10, it says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And it was in times of crisis, it was in times of victory, uh, that as I read God's word, that he uh, began to show me the living nature of his word, how it spoke to my heart, how it spoke to my soul. He began to show me through the ministry of the Holy Spirit how he illuminates our minds to understand the pages of Scripture. And as he did, the words of the pages literally, literally became alive. And they began to guide me to live life differently. And what I began to learn as an adolescent began to, uh, or, or still remains true here today. God's word is living and it's timeless. It speaks to the heart. It speaks to the soul. And through the, throughout my life, as I've interacted with the scriptures, the ones that have been given to me as a gift or ones that I've bought on my own, I have grown in my love for God's word. And I have found an affection as I began to realize the importance of it as it guides and directs my life. The first thing that I learned was the overarching nature of God's word. The way that he speaks to us in a very whole, in a very complete way. From Genesis to Revelation, the message and the story of God is powerful in this book, friends. And it's consistent. The gospel message that he gives to us is complete. And if you look for it all through scripture, it comes alive off the pages of this book. And really... Uh, within that overarching nature of Scripture, it answers four questions that we can find answered over and over and over again throughout this account. Questions like, who made us and, and to whom are we accountable? Questions like, what is our problem? Questions like, what is God's solution to our problem? And finally, how can I be included in his solution here today? 
If you watch for it within the pages of Scripture, the overall story of God is presented, as I said, from Genesis to Revelation. And it's amazing as you watch for it because the story and the message of God is presented to us in a very holistic way. The work of Christ is present from Genesis 1 through the end of Revelation 22. And what I've discovered about the Word of God, friends, is that the more that I look for God's story through this lens as I, as I uh, read the Bible and as I study Scripture, the more exciting it becomes to me. The more passionate I, I become about the work of God in my life because as I understand that His message is consistent and it's whole, it leads me to dig even deeper into the pages of this book. It reminds me of the grace and the mercy of God. It reminds me of how true and how faithful God is to his people. And despite the fact that we're sinners, we are actually sinners saved by grace. And we're reminded of this over and over and over again. Last Sunday, I was preaching in Fort McLeod at the Alliance Church. And as I was reading in the book of Micah, Micah chapter 6, I was reminded again that God, in his goodness, didn't give to the Israelites what they deserved. Instead, he extended to them grace and mercy and favor. And he didn't just save them in a season or in a moment. He anointed their future. He changed their path, and he informed them of how they were to live their lives. And he does the same thing for us. From the beginning to the end, as we look for this gospel message, as we read these words, not only does it give us a deeper and more affectionate love for God and who he is, for his word that's revealed to us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but he informs us of how we can live differently, of how we can step into the challenging days. And this narrative can be found quantitatively over and over and over again. It pops off the page as God reveals this story and he's, as he works to bring us into deeper relationship with him through Jesus. It's an amazing reality of this book. And as people who are followers of Jesus, I would encourage us to follow this, to submit to it, to find it, and to, be, to allow God to ignite our hearts as we read his word and as we interact with it regularly. The first lesson that I want to focus on is that there's this consistent narrative through all of Scripture of God's love story. And as we understand his love story, it directs us and it guides us and it leads us forward. We need, to, we need to appreciate the nature of that. The second thing that God does here is that um, there's this living nature of scripture that speaks directly into our lives. And as I said, he guides us forward. And I want to spend a couple of minutes on another reality um, that's presented here within this passage. And it's this reality of, of direction, of promise and then blessing, of instruction and then direction. And I want us to see here in this page, uh, or in these, in these verses, this reality because I think it shows us a snapshot of the larger reality of Scripture. But that not only does Scripture guide us and direct, direct us, but it establishes a foundation for blessing that far surpasses anything that we could do for ourselves. In these verses, we can see um, this pattern develop and take place. And I think this provides for us a route that will lead us to know what, it, what are the opportunities that God has for us as individuals and what are the opportunities that God has for us as a church moving forward in this season of struggle. Where is God leading us in the days to come? Well, let's look and see how God leads us forward here. And let's start in verse 7. He starts here. I want us to watch for the promise and then the blessing. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Here he's saying that 
that, the, that this word is absolute, it's faultless, it's skillfully put together, it's unblemished, it's untarnished. And the inference, what he, the inference made here that he's leading us to is that if we submit our lives to it, if we commit to it, what does it do? He says, it will bless us. It will revive our soul. Interesting, in days that are deflating and depleting, when we follow God's law, his word, it revives us. It will build us up. It will renew us. And it will lead us forward to embrace new opportunities. Look at verse 8. He continues, he says, The precepts of the Lord that, is, that are his commandments or his rules or his instructions of Scripture are right. That's what the promise is. And then he leads us forward. It gives joy to the heart. In other words, as God leads us forward, as he instructs us, as he commands us to do different things, it's not going to lead us into a a depressed state. Instead, it's going to lead us forward to a, a better perspective or a better way of living. And it'll affect the core of who we are. The scripture says that, uh, the, that the word of God is like a, is a two-edged sword. It pierces through to the core of who we are. It pierces through to the soul. And what this text here reveals to us is that when we submit to it, when we follow it, when we obey God's commands, he's going to bring joy to that very core. He's going to refresh us and renew us. And he's going to bring to us deep and profound joy. It doesn't leave us wanting It will change us for the better, and it will transform us. And despite what's going on around us, it will allow us to see our circumstances with a different heart posture than if we were left to just figure it out with our own devices. One more verse here. I want to see this this progression of, of promise and then blessing, of instruction and then renewal. Verse 11, it says, By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. This actually goes back to the previous two verses. Respect and obedience and faithfulness and righteousness. The ways of God are placed in front of us. And when we submit to them um, and, and when, when we understand them as Scripture presents them to us, what does verse eight or 11 say? It says, there will be a great reward for us. There will be a blessing. There will be a transformation. And not just for a moment or, or just uh, a minute in life. That the ongoing reality for our lives moving forward is that as we read God's word and as we submit to it, God will transform us and bless us. This pattern of promise and blessing, friends, is something that we can see throughout all of Scripture, not just in Psalm 19. And as we read these words and as we look in Scripture, I would encourage us to, to find this pattern over and over and over again. Let me read a couple verses for you and you can see this. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There's a promise, there's a declaration, and there's a blessing. 2 Chronicles 7, 14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will hear their land. Oh, I will heal their land. Acts 3.19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing might come from the Lord. Friends, the word of God is faithful to inform uh, the things that we need to do that will affect us on the inside, and it's faithful to instruct us on how to move forward in that and live externally as well. And while living the Christian life might not always be the easiest way to live, especially in these times and times like this, 
and in this culture. As we submit to it and obey the instruction of Scripture, I believe, friends, because I've experienced it, that the richest and fullest life that we can know this side of heaven will come as we live into what God instructs us to do through His Word. And as we commit our lives to, root, to be rooted in God's Word, submitting to it and respecting it. It will lead us to a greater blessing. It will lead us to a greater transformation. It will lead us to embrace the opportunities that God has in front of us as we passionately fall more in love with it, as we passionately live through it. University Drive Alliance Church has a long history of holding this word high. And we could look back over the last 24 years that Pastor Scott has been here. We could look back at previous generations of leaders, names like Goldsmith and Bergman and Penner, were men and pastors in this church who prized the word of God and held it high. And friends, submitting to God's word and design isn't always easy. But as we prize it and follow it, as the scripture says here in Psalm 19, it will always lead us toward a greater blessing. As a church, uh, both historically and presently, we have subscribed to an interpretation of scripture that is decidedly more conservative leaning rather than a progressive uh, interpretation of scripture. And we're unapologetic for this. The translations that we preach from, the theology that we subscribe to, compared to a worldly perspective, might be considered countercultural. And yet we believe, friends, because we've experienced it time and time again, that one of the roots of God's flavor and blessing upon our church family has come as we've pursued God through his word in this way. And as we talk about our roots in the next seven weeks, and specifically this root of the Word of God, I believe it's important that we understand some of the tensions that we create as we live out these words within our culture through this hermeneutic. We need to understand that it's going to create a tension, and this tension is going to lead us forward to protect the truth of God and to live in it and to find meaning in it. University Drive Alliance Church has been and will continue to be a church that's rooted and grounded in a historical, grammatical, literal hermeneutic of Scripture that strives to discover the biblical author's original intent and meaning in the text. And this is very different from an allegorical interpretation of Scripture, which kind of looks at Scripture as a big story with some deep, deeper spiritual meanings attached to it. Friends, we actually believe that, Jesus, or that God created the world in seven days. We actually believe that, that the, the ark came and that Noah and his family boarded it. We actually believe in the virgin birth. We actually believe that Jesus rose again. We actually believe and anticipate that he's coming back for us and that there's great hope for believers here on this side of heaven because this is what scripture tells us. And as we submit to it, as we commit our lives to it, friends, it fuels us. It gives us hope. It gives us perspective and it gives us direction even in the midst of really challenging days. As believers in this church, we believe that the deepest measures of the abundant life that Jesus promises to us in John chapter 10, verse 10, come as we live in relationship with Jesus and as, as we are guided by the Holy Spirit through the scriptures and understand the blessings of following his commandments. The, this book, these words are anointed by Jesus and it's here that we honestly believe that Jesus will bless. And hear me when I say it's not easy. It's not easy to stand in this world and to submit to the truths of this word all the time. But it is a blessing. 
And I honestly believe that that it's a part of God's design to allow the living nature of God's word to guide us and direct us and allow us to live counterculturally because when we do, it's going to cause attention in other people's lives to pause and slow down and even interact with us and say, how come you don't see the world like I do? How can you find joy in these days? How, why are you living differently? And as faithful believers of God, as people who are rooted in the word of God, we can take people back here and we can say, because God is leading me forward in this. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do, all, uh, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written for, in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous and you will have good success. And what I believe this leads us forward in, friends, is not only an abundant life, but also ministry. That as we live our lives in this way, people are going to notice and we are going to be given an opportunity, a favor in the culture, so to speak, to speak into it and to listen as we love people as the scripture informs us to love. As we, as we stand up for the things the scripture tells us to stand up for. As we allow the scripture to, to change us on the inside, it will influence us and change us on the outside as well. And it will create questions in hearts asking for how they can experience more. Well, being rooted in God's word is critical to finding the opportunities that God has in front of us as a church because it's through this lens that we're going to know what to see and lean into in this next season to come. And it's through the promises of Scripture and the obedience of of us following it uh, that we're going to experience a deeper joy and a deeper abundance that uh, that the Lord longs for us to know. And so how do we step forward in this? How very practically do we take next steps to continue to develop this root in our lives and thrive within it? Well, let me suggest just a couple of things. A couple of things that we can start doing today or this week to really live into this root and allow it to shape us moving forward. And the first thing is this. The first thing is that we need to take time to interact with it regularly. We need to take time to read God's word daily. And not in a religious sense, friends but in a relational sense. And we need to find margin and space in our lives to regularly interact with his word and allow it to inform our lives and then direct our lives moving forward. And so whether it's early in the morning or late at night, I would encourage all of us to find creative space in our lives to sit down and really enjoy all that God has in his word for us. Maybe it's with a cup of coffee. Maybe it's over breakfast. Maybe it's as you're about to lay down your head at night. However it is, find regular time to interact with this word and allow it to speak to us and to you. Maybe when you're out for a run, which is obviously something I do, but I don't do, but for the rest of you, as you put in your earbuds, as you're, as you're uh, pacing along, have God's word speaking into your ears through the U version of the Bible or another, another method. Maybe daily, again, through the U version of the Bible, you can have verses that are, are brought up and uh, shared with you every day. This is what happens on my phone every morning. The Word of God um, pops out or it comes forward and it appears on my screen. Whatever it is, we need to find opportunities. And my experience is, friends, that as we create this space and this margin in, in our lives, at first where it might become um, repetitive and structured, Uh, soon will become very joy-filled 
and, and very, uh, very life-giving. A great Alliance preacher once said to me that the discipline of structure precedes the delight of spontaneity. And similarly, when we read the Word of God, as we create structured space in our life, very quickly it will move from discipline to joy. And it will become a regular rhythm of our lives that we interact with daily. Maybe it's a chapter, maybe it's a section, maybe it's a verse, whatever it is. Read God's Word daily and meditate on it. Study it and you'll be amazed at the joy it brings your heart as the Holy Spirit works in you and writes that Word on the walls of your heart. The second thing I would encourage us to do is share what we're learning with people around us. Parents, this is a great spot to disciple our kids. As we read a verse, as we uh, interact with God's word, to be able to sit down at the dinner table or, or send a text message or, or just in a conversation in the car as you're driving to your activities or whatever the case might be, share what God is teaching you and make it a regular rhythm of who you are. Maybe we could even be so bold as to share that message with people around us that, that aren't a part of our family, neighbors, friends, coworkers, colleagues, supervisors, heaven forbid. We take the opportunity to share what God is teaching us and to show people the foundation for what allows us to live differently, not because we have it all figured out or because we're perfect, but because we're teachable and we're pliable and God is forming us and shaping us and directing us. When we live life with a sharing posture, friends, I believe that opportunities will come our way to share abundantly. And so maybe it's in your small group or your prayer group or your triad or whatever it is that you're a part of. Look at the communities that you're, that you're situated in, that God has planted you, and consider that to be your mission field. Consider it to be a spot that God is inviting you to create a wave of influence as you share God's promises with others around you. And the last thing is, Allow the Holy Spirit to shape you and direct you as you read God's Word. Be open to God's work. James 1 verse 22 says, Don't merely listen to the Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're fooling yourselves. Reality is, is that as we get into this book and as it changes us, there's going to be some hard moments. Repentance is hard. Forgiveness is hard. Reconciliation is hard. But friends, as we move forward in it, the comfortable life that we, that we are, are stepping out of, sorry, let me say this different, the life that Jesus will lead us into will far outweigh the comfortable life that we'll leave behind. And the reality is, is that oftentimes God wants to do something in us before he'll do something through us or for us. And as we read the scriptures we need to understand that the reality moving forward is that God is going to instruct the heart. He's going to direct the soul. And there's a call to obey whatever it is because it's going to lead us to a greater blessing. It's that progression again. Promise and then blessing. Instruction and then direction. It leads us forward. And as it does, can I just plead with us to lean into whatever it is God's calling us to. Similarly, as the Holy Spirit pulls at the strings of our heart, we're going to know what we're supposed to aim our lives at and what opportunities are going to be in front of us. And so as we read the scriptures, it's going to become apparent that the audience that we're to lead forward to are going to, is going to look something like this. The downcast and the brokenhearted. The widow and the orphan. People who don't yet know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. These are the spaces and places that we're going to find opportunities in because these are the people that God informs us and instructs us to bless. It's very clear. 
Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says what? Go, go into all the world and what? Make disciples, that is make followers of Jesus, help others to live like him. Go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's a direct instruction and a direct commandment. But then what does Jesus go on to say? And be sure of this. Surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. There's a promise and there's a blessing. There's an instruction and there's direction given. And as we submit our lives to it, friends, as we, as we recognize who it is that God wants us to lean into and fight for, the blessing that's going to come is an abundant life as we see the world around us transformed and the world around us changed. As We obediently live in God's word and as we obediently submit to it. As I sat here this morning uh, singing in worship, my heart was so blessed. This morning on the way to church, we prayed that there would be a great uh, gathering here today, and there is and there was. Men and women, children, uh, boys and girls who've come to church to worship God together. And as we worship God together, friends, I believe he's seeding into us and he's speaking to us this, this root and this value of Scripture, of making declarations of receiving the promises of God and then being transformed by it moving forward. And it came in the songs that we've sung. It comes in the message that we're hearing. It comes in the verses that we read about this progression and it leads us forward and it changes us. And as we've come here and had this wonderful gathering here today with a good number of people, part of the prayer that came this morning was that God, you would renew and you'd revive the church, this church and others. Bible-believing churches, that you would do a fresh work. And, oh God, would you do it again? Would you move in a fresh way? Would you bless? Would you transform as we submit to your word? Literally, as I stand before you here today, I'm seeing it played out in front of me. That God is faithful to, to what he promises. That he's good. That he delivers. We read about it in the pages of scripture over and over and over again. And we believe that in the future and moving forward, that it's not just going to happen today, but in the season to come, as we remain rooted, God will transform and God will bless. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and thinking it's too much. The spot that you've gotten to in life is too hard or too overwhelming or too far gone. But friends, if the promises of God is true, and if the mark of history can speak anything to us, then I have to believe that there's hope for the road ahead. And believe me when I say to you that these are days too when I feel totally defeated and alienated like a stranger in a familiar land. But friends, also hear me when I say that God loves to work in moments like this. God loves to bless. He loves to transform. He loves it when the rest of the world says it's too far gone. It's too done. The church is dead and God loves to step in and say it's exactly the environment that I love to move. When the world looks at it and says, there no, there's no way, God says, no, there's my way. And I believe that's what he's preparing us for in this season and the days to come. For 82 years now, God has shown his faithfulness to University Drive Alliance Church. 82 years. And while the tree up top has gone through seasons of striving and struggle, friends, the root system beneath us really hasn't changed that much. When Mavis Weidman came down from just outside of Calgary in the early 40s, there was a foundation that was established and that's been maintained. 
the root system was planted. Prayer and worship, discipleship and giving, missions and small groups, and today God's word. These are roots that have held up who we are and how we've moved forward. And honestly, looking forward, I believe that we have every reason to hope and believe that God is going to move in mighty ways again. I believe that this morning is evidence of that. And I believe that looking forward, while, the wor- while it might look like the, like, a disa- like the world is about to get ready for another disaster in the making, that God is looking at it and creating a pathway for blessing. And so let me encourage our hearts. Friends, God is on the move. And there are doorways and opportunities in front of us that might never be open or become present if God uh, hadn't led us through the desert that we've just been going through. And so I want to invite us to lean in, to embrace the roots that God has given to our church and be ready for a season of blessing and opportunity, maybe like we've never seen before. And I want to encourage us to dive into God's word, to create space in our lives to richly uh, hear what God has to say, to see what God has to say, and then to lean into what he, he is calling us to be, a people who love him, A people who understand his story. A people who obey the things that he calls us to. And a people that courageously step forward into a world that thinks that the church is done. And that soon will find out that the church is actually very much alive. God is on the move. And God is blessing. And as we lean into these roots, I believe we're going to discover a rhythm and a blessing and an opportunity that maybe we haven't seen for a little while. But that's going to refresh and renew our soul. It's going to bless and will bring us, as verse 11 says, to a great reward. I'm going to encourage us to stand as the worship team shares with us. And as we worship here together, these songs are opportunities for us to make declarations towards God and who he is. I would encourage us to sing with fresh vigor and fresh passion, to sing with fresh joy, believing that there's hope in the days ahead. Let's sing together.